Okay, and if you've done that, Watermark kids, it's time for you to dismiss. But before the kids leave, I want to pray for you, okay? So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the kids that you've brought in our midst. We thank you that they are the future generations. Pray for the teachers and for this time that they would see your son Jesus and they would fall in love with him. We thank you for this incredible, incredible stewardship and blessings you've given us. And we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Watermark kids, you are dismissed. Wow. That was uh, two years ago. I think I'm still wearing the same shirt. <laughs> don't, don't say anything, okay? Just maybe I need some fashion help or something like that. Uh, how you guys doing? We are uh, in, a, in for in a neat time. Um, you know, when we, we started uh, with the church, one of the things we wanted it to be like was a family. We wanted it to be a, a family setting where we got together and we discussed and we felt the freedom just to share who we are and what we are and be on this journey together and to ask questions. And I kind of envision it being like the dinner table at my house where the kids get around uh, every day at night when we, whenever we get a chance to eat and we eat and we talk and it's loud and noisy and chaotic, kind of like what you've already been seeing here. <clears throat> and then we get to this point where we say, share your highlight for the day. And the kids will share something that was really important or exciting for them. And then we say, well, share your low point, and they'll share something usually they didn't get, like a dessert or something like that. Uh, and so we wanted to think about this one-and-a-half-year celebration as kind of something like that. Uh, we wanted not to make this a business meeting. So I've actually never seen this done before. This is the first time we're going to try it, but I love this church because we try everything for the first time and just see what God does with it. So we're incorporating our business meeting into this time of worship. And so we're going to have some friends come up and share some testimonies of things that God has been doing. It. We're calling it our Compass Gathering because we want to look back at where we've been. We want to look back right now where we are and then pray and project towards the future where we feel like God is leading this church and pray a lot. This week uh, has been a crazy week for me. As I've been on this journey, uh, I'm thankful for my kids. My kids remind me of things. They reminded me of three important events this week. The first thing they reminded me of was it was my wife's birthday. So it's always good to have someone remind you of those things because, guys, that's a bad thing to forget. So Chris, Christina was a uh, birthday on Tuesday, and she was, she was 28 years old. And so we had a celebration for him, her. Uh, I love you, honey. Uh, and then I was reminded that it was the church's one and a half year anniversary. So we have a celebration for that. And then one of my kids reminded me of a very important anniversary that happened today. You remember what it is? April 15th, 1912. The RMS Titanic was going on its maiden voyage. The Titanic took off, and at that time, people said the Titanic was unsinkable. And a little before midnight, the unthinkable happened, and the unsinkable ship hit an iceberg and betrayed everybody who hoped in it. There was supposed to be 35 lifeboats, but there were only 20. And because of that, about 1,500 people died in the ocean icy ocean waters of the North Atlantic. Many of the lifeboats, they left, and they were only partially filled. 
Later on, they were going to talk about what the people were thinking as they heard the cries and the struggles of the people in the water and as the people tried to get to the lifeboats. What were the people in the lifeboats thinking? And they said basically this. They said, we can't let them get too close to us. Because if they get too close to us, they're going to upset things. And they might tip us over. I thought about that. Sometimes I say that as I go through my day, and God brings people into my life. I can't let them get too close to me because they're going to upset things, and my life might get tipped over. One lifeboat, though, chose a different path. This lifeboat actually went back into the darkness because it was pitch dark, and they listened for the cries and the screams of people, and they tried to save as many people as they could. The paper said about this lifeboat that they risked all to save some. They risked all to save some. The passage today in your bulletin is about another type of lifeboat in Acts. Today, the lifeboat is the church. You and I. Now, the passage doesn't just begin in Acts. It actually begins much further than in Acts. In fact, it begins in Exodus 24. In Exodus 24, we're told that God sends Moses into the most powerful nation in the world at that time, Egypt, to redeem and free his people. And he does these incredible miracles, and Moses redeems and frees God's people, and he brings them to the Mount of the Lord, Mount Sinai. And on this mountain in Exodus 24, we're told on the day of Pentecost, seven weeks, 50 days after their deliverance from Egypt, God comes to them and he gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them the law. He gives them these sets of laws that is given to the people of God to show them what they must do in their own power to reach a holy and perfect God. The day of Pentecost. Exodus 24. Now we come to the passage in Acts 2, and we have another day of Pentecost. It's seven weeks and 50 days after Jesus was crucified, and Easter happened, what we celebrated last Sunday. Christ has come into the world in much the same way that God sent Moses, but he sends his perfect son into the world to free his people. Christ comes and he does battle with the greatest and most powerful thing in the world, sin. And he destroys it. And in this passage, the people are gathered, and this time, God doesn't give them a law. God gives them his spirit. He gives them grace. He gives them mercy. He gives them power. And we see in this Acts passage that as he gives this power to the people and he sends them off into the chaos, which is the wrecked world, where people are screaming and dying and hurting and broken. But this lifeboat called us, the church, does amazing, amazing things. They go out and they start to proclaim the truth of God and they start to rescue people. They start to rescue lost and drowning people. They start to change cultures. They do incredibly countercultural things. And the passage you have in your bulletin, Acts 2, is probably one of the first gospel sermons preached. The gospel sermon of grace. 
And we see there that after this message is given, what was 120 people turns into 2,000 people. And then into 5,000 people. And this message and this power and this hope that was in the people's lives when they heard the message, it changes everything. It changed families. It changed businesses. It changed communities. It changed cities. It changes culture. When you look at the Acts passage, you realize that as the people of the church go off, that they're grounded in very special things, that their lifestyle has a very specific code of conduct that is governed by, by love. They have a common set of learnings. They have a common set of fellowship. They have a common set of worship experiences. They have a common set of outreach experiences. And through all these things, God uses the lifeboat of the church to rewrite history and to rewrite people's stories. I've asked several people today to come up who've been a part of this lifeboat as a church. And I just want them to share what God has been doing in the ministries that the Lord has given them. Now, there'll be time for questions afterwards. We're going to have Q&A time after we eat. No one's going to get out that door. We're locking that door. You can't get out that door. You got to go this way because we're going to have this massive buffet lunch. There's a lot of food we prepared for this celebration time. So you have to go that way, and we're going to eat. And if you have questions, you could ask us there in the tables. There'll be staff at each table. But for this time, we just want to think about what God has done and praise him. Hi, I'm Eric Scott. I'm the youth ministry coordinator here at Watermark Church. I got here in September and started uh, the youth ministry. Basically, we started from the ground up. I got here and we didn't really know if there were any youth or who they were. And so we said, let's just start meeting with them and see who comes. So we did that and a few kids came at first and then eventually they sort of started bringing their friends. And uh, we keep meeting now. Um, getting to know the kids, getting to figure out what their stories are, what their passions are, and sharing the gospel with them as we do. Um, we, here at Watermark, we have what's called the sandbox. And in the sandbox, you can see it in your compass booklet if you look through there later on. But it says that our goal is to help people take the next step in becoming fully functioning followers of Christ. And so in the youth ministry, that's one of the things that we really want to do also. And we have a few ways that we are specifically trying to do that. One of those ways is by equipping parents to raise their kids. Ultimately, we believe that what we are doing has an impact on the kids, otherwise we wouldn't be doing it. But we also believe that ultimately what the parents do at home is going to have a much greater long-term impact on how the kids grow up and how the kids love Christ um, long-term. And so one thing that we want to do as a youth ministry is equip parents, train them, um, and help them in raising their own kids. Another thing that we want to do is give kids a place to belong. Um, sociologists today say that this generation, uh, in reverse to other generations previously, needs to belong to a group before they will believe that group's faith story. Um, basically, you need a group. In the past, it was basically you believe in Christianity, and then you come in, and you can join the church and be a part of the group. But sociologists say that today, people need to belong before they will accept that what you say is true. So we want to give the kids a place where they can come in, where they can be accepted, where they can see the difference that a gospel makes in people's lives, and that they will say, hey, I want that. 
I want what you have. And we, we've seen this already. There was one kid back in November. He just started coming on Friday nights with a friend, met some people there, kept coming, eventually started coming on Sunday mornings, comes from a non-Christian family, uh, didn't have any background in the church or anything, but just found a place where he belonged, saw something that was different in this group, and kept coming back and kept coming back. And now he's told me that he has believed and that he is a Christian um, because we have this place where he was able to belong and see the difference that the gospel makes in people's lives. So that's another thing that we're trying to do. And then the third thing is we want them to be connected to the church as a whole. We want it not just to be, oh, we got the youth dude over here and maybe some volunteers and the kids go off with them, but we really want them to be integrated into the church and to be a part of this family and this body. And so at the youth ministry, we want to help kids take the next step in becoming fully functioning, fully functioning followers of Christ. And those are some of the ways that we are trying to do that. Hey, good morning, Watermark Church. My name is Joshua, and uh, I've helped to oversee community groups uh, here at Watermark Community Church. You'll notice that uh, community is our middle name. That uh, You heard Tobin read a passage or, or talk about a passage this morning from Acts 2.42. And we see a church that is completely passionate for God, passionate for each other, and passionate for the world around them to know Christ. And we believe at Watermark that that's what God has called us to be. Uh, We see the church in Acts operating that way. And I want to tell you some things that I've seen. We started off with a very small group of of people and uh, with a a conviction that we didn't want to just gather in groups of people just like us in the church we were convicted that God has called us to make an impact in the communities where we live, and that's where we need to start. So we started gathering with other people from Watermark that live in our neighborhoods. Here's what I've seen just over the last year. I've seen groups that study the Word and that are growing in the Word together. I've seen people who have come closer to Christ because of what you're doing in your groups. I've seen groups broken and praying for lost friends and those friends coming into this room after they've heard the gospel in their workplace from you. I've seen groups who have gathered around families that have new babies and support them in their time of trouble. (laughs) I've seen that personally in my own life (laughs) several times. Um, I have seen, I've seen groups that will go to the doctor with a friend in their group who hears the news about cancer. I've seen groups that will weep with each other when someone in their family passes. I've seen groups in here who will go out and who will plan and pray how to reach their neighborhoods. I've seen groups in here that remind me so much of what we read about in Acts. But we're not finished. We live in a city of seven million people. Most have still never heard the gospel and are still waiting. So in the year to come, um, we, we want to tell you that however long you're here for, no matter what you think has brought you to Hong Kong, that we believe that God has brought you here for such a time as this. So in the year to come, we want to see however long that time in Hong Kong or in this life is that you make the most of it. Most of it when you're alone in your workplace, 
when you're together with your community here, the most of it when you're here in this church. God has called us to not do this journey alone, but to do it together as a community. Uh, I look forward to hearing the great things that God does through this church and this community. Hi, my name is Melanie Case, and I work with Watermark Kids as the director. Hi, I'm Natalie Mann, and I'm the children's ministry coordinator. Um, we just want to take a moment to tell you guys something about Watermark Kids this morning. Uh, we began with about four ladies meeting together in a clubhouse function room in 2010 just to come together. What do we want this thing to look like? And we came out after a few coffees and a couple hours with um, several key points. One, we want to share the gospel clearly. Two, we want to help these kids see how their lives and their stories can intersect with that gospel story story. And three, we want to do this all in a fun way in community together. So that was our mission, and that's what we've kind of gone forward with, and that's what we're doing now. So we began with about 26 kids in October of 2010, and we now currently run about 70 kids in five different age groups. So God is growing us, and we see him beginning to redeem families. Um, one example of that is um, a family. A few, well, about one year ago, a lady called the office, and she said, um, I would like to bring my girls to your Sunday school. Do you have a class for kids or a program? So I said, yes, we'd love to have you. And she said, well, you know, I'm not a Christian, so I don't know, is it, is it okay if we come? Is it? I said, yes, we really want you to come. We'd love to have you, so please come next week. And she did. Um, since then, her girls come faithfully, and we're grateful for these parents for bringing their kids. Um, they don't know Christ, but it's an, it's an amazing to see God doing that and to see God working miracles and um, bringing other people to the faith and using kids, right, to do that. And these girls... Um, Volunteers are really encouraged by them. They bring, they bring notebooks to take notes, and they um, really have a spiritual sensitivity, and you can see God working in their lives. So um, we're really grateful to see what God's doing and how he can redeem the family through kids and, and parents as well. This upcoming year, the vision is to equip parents. Um, we want to develop a partnership with the Watermark parents so the Watermark parents can help the Watermark kids in their spiritual development. And we know that's happening in a lot of homes already, but we want to see that happen in a greater way. So we want to give parents resources. We want to give parents ideas to, to help their children develop in their spirituality. And also, we also want to take some time with our leaders. So thank you, leaders. If you're out there, raise your hand. There's no leaders in <laughs> The leaders, some, most leaders are teaching today. But we want to thank all of you, and that's another area in which we want to look forward to, is to equip our leaders better um, so they feel more comfortable in the classroom to uh, help our kids as well. So thank you for your time today. Uh, my name is uh, Mike, and this is Katie, my wife. And I just wanted to share a couple of stories that happened in lifeboats and universities. And uh, so one thing why the whole university ministry journey has been exciting for us is uh, because God both put that burden on us to come to Hong Kong to reach students that, that are lost and drowning on the campuses here. Katie came from the U.S., I came from Germany. We met here and, and we got married here. Uh, as a part of the watermark journey. Um, so it's worth getting in lifeboats. You may, may meet someone there that you want to marry. And, um, another thing is that when, when, when people think about what is it worth to get a lifeboat in, like people think, oh, missions happens in like unreached people groups and in places of poverty or 
um, HIV orphans in Africa, and we really have to help there. But a lot of people don't think that Hong Kong U, one of the most pre prestigious universities uh, in the world, uh, is a big place of, of ministry. But seeing um, the lostness of students over the years, the loneliness, the pressures, the fears of, of life, um, this is where, where, where we feel that we need to get on a lifeboat and go back um, and, and identify with, with what's happening out there on the campuses. And so just something that has been really amazing for us, joining Watermark, has been to see all these volunteers that came alongside us and feel the same burden and passion um, ministering to students and, and just you know, placing that hope in their lives. Uh, statistics say that more than 80% even of Christian students that step on a university campus will lose their faith in the journey of uh, being at university. So I think it's an amazing uh, calling that uh, God has placed on this church to reach Hong Kong U and impact these future influences and leaders of society and that that will have a trickle effect into so many businesses and, and medicine and law and um, wherever they will go out later on. And so we're just really grateful. So as we look ahead, um, we just wanted to uh, also just say thank you to, to all of you who have been a part of this and who have been resourcing uh, this ministry. And just as, as a little glimpse of what's ahead, um, we have a couple of students that are now joining the baptism class for the May baptism. And they're actually three students from three different continents. And so we just wanted them to stand up real quick so that you can see who they are. <clears throat> And, and so later on, after the service, uh, when we are at the tables out at the lunch, and when you go out this way, um, they will be sitting with us at the table as well. So if you are still in the journey of, of asking, um, what does it mean for me to be baptized and, and to follow Christ, and they will be there with us. They may sh just share their story, um, and you can ask them about their story, or if you have questions, feel free to talk to us. Yeah, and we're just amazed by by what God has been doing and, um, and how he is building up this, this ministry on this campus. Thanks. Brothers and sisters, my name is Kelvin and I'm the husband of Cindy. I serve on the Transition <laughs> Oversight Board for our church and uh, before our group of elders are in place. And this is Jovi. Yep. Yeah, my name is Jovi, and uh, uh, like many of you, I'm a volunteer, and uh, I serve in the uh, Transition Oversight Board. Yeah. So professionally, I'm an auditor, which means my purpose of existence is to make the lives of accountants really miserable, and, <laughs> and that includes the one that I married. <laughs> okay, jokes aside, I'm here to share with you my testimony of great, God's great, amazing provision for this church and his love for this community. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all this will be given unto you as well. And that's, I believe, because he loves us. So what did this church start out with? In reality, I think we start out with nothing. But I would argue that we start out with a pastor who really, truly loves God. And the second thing we started with was potluck. On the 27th of February 2010, we attended a first ever potluck dinner meeting of the church planned launch team hosted by our, by our pastor and his wife, Tobin and Christina. That night, 45 of us were all giving, given a booklet, this one, Area 15, and we were called to go and serve the Lord. They unreached in the west of Hong Kong Island, and in Tobin's words, the rich, the poor, the community, God's people. We were all told that we are doing this because Jesus is alive. 
We are doing this because Jesus is alive. We are doing this because Jesus is alive. So over the following six months, we, were talk, we talked about vision, value, and purpose. We did Bible studies on what it means to be great and how, God, how does God want us to bless others. I was taught for the first time ever that praying, the praying body is the most important part of the church, not the finance manager and not the production of Sunday morning service. So sorry, Cindy, and sorry, Charles. We did not talk about money. We did not have any paid staff. Well, except Tobin, as we kind of needed him. Everything was done by volunteers. And subsequently, we brought Chris Tang on board as the second full-time staff. So how has God provided us financially? Well, love offering of 1.8 million was received from Iden ECC before Watermark even existed. Since then, we've received another 500,000. As for the community center that a lot of us have come to enjoy, we had a renovation fund, and for that, over 800,000 cash was received on top of a whole variety of furniture, equipment, and professional services such as interior design that is, and architect services that has come on board. Now, what sort of tithing then have we been giving as a church? Well, for the, for the March 11th uh, tsunami um, for Jap in Japan, we've given 100,000. The future church planting fund of 1.5 million has now been set aside. And additional to that, we have 300,000 of neighborhood watch fund, which is set aside to serve the local community. So we're giving away all these big sums of money. Are we as a church family financially healthy then? Well, the more, question that, more important question that we really should ask is, are we spiritually healthy? As Pastor Tobin all often talks, talks about money being one of our biggest idols. We have way under-budgeted for a lot of things, to be honest, and none of us have, as because none of us has planted churches before. We did not plan to have a community center, especially, definitely not in the first two years. We had no idea how much sound equipment costs, like this stuff. <laughs> and God presented opportunity, many of them, for us to outreach to our local communities that we ever, ne never, ever imagined. And some of them took place in Cyberport and Bagu Villa. Despite our own shortcomings, I've personally seen God sufficiently providing for his work without any disruptions. If you refer to the page 31 of your booklet, or the chart about the, uh, that's shown up here, the audited financial statement, not by myself, but by an external auditor, for Watermark, <laughs> the first financial year ended August 2011, shows that general offertory, which came from this congregation, received was 7.2 million Hong Kong dollars and the operating expenditure was $5.1 million, excluding depreciation. We believe the offertory is an act of worship. We've never passed an offering back around, and we want to continue this step of faith for as long as possible. As God leads his people, us, onto this journey, there will be countless details that we won't know and cannot plan for. And as we know, we have now experienced that, and we seek, as, as we seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, and he does provide for us to take care of our little steps of faith. And, he's, and he is an example of how God has led abundantly and provided for us through the Watermark Community Center, which we use to serve this, this congregation, the unreached, and the community around us. So, brothers and sisters, what we have seen so far is the mighty work of our mighty God in the past 18 months, and 18 months only. Isn't our God an awesome God? We are... Um we, uh, 
we are humbled by uh, the church's continued um, generosity in tithing. And, um, you know, we would like to submit to you the operating budget for the next 18 months. Um, in your booklets, uh, you've got these <coughs> pie charts, which I'm not sure. Are we going to have them? No. Um, you have these pie charts which show, yes, those, those ones, um, how the budget is planned for the next 18 months. And you will see a number of uh, 6.3 million Hong Kong dollars for 2012 and um, 8.3 million for 2013. Um, you will notice a 22% increase year on year from uh, 11 to 2012 and a 33% increase from 2012 to 2013. Now, th these high growths of um, budgeting reflect um, that the church has grown much faster as uh, we had all, all anticipated when the church opened its doors 18 months ago. And um, the, the budget, and you'll see the, uh, the various breakdowns, will reflect uh, the continued investments in the core ministries of the church. And that's namely uh, the, the university, where we continue to invest in um, equipping leaders in these communities. Uh, second would be youth and church. Uh, third would be uh, the Sunday services and um, as well as uh, discipleship. Um, now, because we are a community church where we are fueled by the energy of uh, the volunteers, you will notice that in the budget, um, most of it is variable cost increases. What does that mean? That means that um, the cost increases because there are more participants. Um, that also says that the fixed uh, cost uh, proportion is... Um, minimized and what, what do we mean what we mean by that is that the you know support staff continues to be the same uh, there is probably the addition of one church planting pastor and Tobin's going to talk about that in the next couple of months um, and this is in keeping with the vision that we want to be a church that um, you know will be a bridge for other church plants in the community um, so uh, so that's the budget for the next 18 months um, other things to say uh, here is that um, you know we you know we can't plan um, as as you know those of you know we can't really plan um, you know without a lot of fine tuning uh, you know going down the road. But um, what we have here is basically a guide, and um, you know with uh, uh, anticipation for God, how God will use these uh, blessings and resources. You know we're excited on how He would um, um, multiply these and magnify these in uh, the way uh, he transforms lives. So while these numbers look big, um, they're actually uh, you know, quite small compared to the way uh, you know, the Lord transforms uh, lives in our communities. And you've heard many stories uh, previously, and you know there's, there's hundreds of stories that are untold. Thank you. So have you seen uh, one of the requirements to uh, be on staff is you have to be able to cry when you think of lost people. And that's, that, that is a requirement. We want people to never forget what it was like uh, before they knew the Lord. You know, we were drawing up and praying about uh, starting Watermark. We knew that the west side of this island had a massive amount of people in it and very few churches. Uh, our vision was to create a church with a very specific code of conduct, just like the church in Acts, a church that believed and acted a very specific way. The motto then and is still today is for the glory of God and for those not in church this Sunday. For the glory of God and for those not in church this Sunday. We wanted to create a church for the unchurched, the de-churched, and the churched. 
We wanted to create a church where people could come and they could take their next step in their spiritual journey of God, no matter where they were. This vision drives everything that we do. And we, I'm confessing to you right now that sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes we do not get it right, even after being one and a half years old. And we're still learning and experimenting and trying to figure out what does it mean to get it right? What does it mean to honor the Lord? But we keep pursuing that. We wanted to be a community where people... If they had friends or relatives who were interested in spiritual things, they would re- we would come to their mind and they would say, hey, you should go to Watermark. Now, and I know that is true because there's several of you who are in here right now that your friends invited you here and they don't even come here. They, they, some of them go to other churches and some of them don't go to church at all. And that's what we dreamed of, that people would be a part of that and see this as a church of a, of a lifeboat going out. We wanted to be a church that integrated all generations in our service and community groups and We desired to raise up a generation of kiddos and students who understood what it meant to be a part of the church and and to serve in their parents' church. That's why the kids are in the service. Some of us think it's crazy and, and it's chaotic, but statistics and everything show that kids leave their faith because they don't understand why their parents worship. They don't understand why their parents take communion. They don't understand why their parents or how they do these things. And so we figured as we dreamed and prayed about this church that this is what we needed to do is incorporate our kids, allow them to serve, allow them to see all these things that their parents do and their parents do not do. If you're my kids, you're reminded of that often. Uh, you said this, how come you're not doing that? And so, but we felt like this was a place where we wanted to be able to place where kids loved to come to church and they were willing to bring their parents along because some of you are here because your parents have dragged you here. And that's, that's what we dreamed about all along. We wanted to be a church that was theologically sound, that was gospel-centered, where people who didn't necessarily agree on our thoughts or our ideas could come and they could engage with us. That's why often in sermons I just stop and I say, okay, questions. We have question and answer times in our sermons because we want people to be able to explore and go on a journey and ask questions. We want people, even after they've asked the questions and they realize, I still don't agree with what they said or how he said it, or I wish he had said it this way. But you know what? I really like those people. They're they're real. They're authentic. There's no mask that they're hiding behind, but I, I think I can go back there and continue this journey and ask questions. Even though I didn't get all the answers, I feel accepted by them. We wanted to be a church that connected people to the community of people around them that they could go on life journeys together. They could be an authentic community. That's why we say here all the time, the only thing I say when you leave this door, you can't leave that door, you got to leave that door. But when you leave that door, the thing I'm going to say is get in the community group. Life happens in community groups. Are you in a community group? Because we believe that's where God is going to transform and change the church. We wanted to be a community that at its core that we believed in all the one another's that Jesus talked about in scripture. He said, love one another, forgive one another, accept one another, serve one another. We wanted to be a church where people understood that they were not here on a mission to use Hong Kong. Often people come into Hong Kong and they say, I'm here for a while. I want to make a lot of money. I want to get everything I can, and then they want to leave. But we wanted to be a church that was different so that when people came in here, we realized, and they would realize that we're here to bless the city. That God put us in the city to pray for the city, not to use it. That's one of our models. We, we, you'll see it in the bulletin. It says the first person plants a seed and then the next people, they, they benefit from the shade. We wanted to be a church where people understood that for the time that God has you here, even if it's three weeks, that you can plant a seed. And that seed is going to be shade for someone else's life. 
So we wanted to be a church that was different, and we didn't use the city. We kept asking ourselves the question, what would it look like to make this city great for God? What would it look like to make Area 15 great for the Lord? What would it look like if this church ceased to exist? If all of a sudden somebody came in and killed us all off, what would... <laughs> That's a terrible thought, isn't it? <laughs> We'd go to heaven, though. That's great, hopefully. Uh, but if, if, if that happened, what would happen to the city? Would the city be worse off because we weren't here? Would the community be worse off? Or would they just not recognize it? We wanted to be a church that was on a mission to make this city great. We wanted to be a church that believes that the best way to reach people and transform communities is by planning churches. I mean, we believe that with all of our heart. If you want to reach people who are pre-Christian, they, they're on this journey, they don't know how to come to Christ, the best way to do it is plant a church. Statistics play that out. And so we wanted to be a church that talked about planting churches and moved in that direction always. We've just started a church planting fund. We have $1.8 million into it. And from this point on, everything that you tithe on Sunday, a percentage of that is going into that church planting fund. A percentage of that is going into the neighborhood watch fund. Because we want to be a church that gives back and understands that the best way to give back is to plant churches and allow the churches to go into communities that are desperately hurting for the gospel message. And allow the churches to change those communities and impact them for the glory of God. An amazing thing is right now, we have on our scope the potential to plant two churches within the next year. We have a Filipino pastor coming when, as soon as we get his visa, and he's going to start scouting out areas where there's large Filipino communities. And we were really excited about him. I did a training for church planters in Manila two weeks ago. Mike and I went, and God just brought this guy in our door. And so our hope is that he'll come in, and he'll be with us and understand our DNA and be who we are, and then he's going to go out and plant a church, maybe in the community center. We have a guy who's a Mandarin speaker. He's a pastor. He's, he's, he's a Mandarin from mainland China. His wife is Russian. And he's heard about what we're doing, and he wants to be a part of that. And so he's going to bring his wife in May, and they're going to come and basically do a vision trip and look around and see, can I plan a Mandarin-speaking church? And what would that look like as I live in this community and then go up into China and train future pastors? And so all of these things are happening because of the funds, and I think it's happening because God is just, just he's blessing what we're trying to do. But we're taking steps of faith and trusting him. But there's a potential that we'd be planning two churches of different languages within a year. And I don't know if that's exciting to you, but to me, that's amazing. I mean, I thought, I thought we'd probably do another English one first, but then God just keeps bringing people to us who speak all these different languages. If you know a different church pastor who wants to plant a church in Hong Kong, send them to us, because we want them to be a part of what we're doing. And our hope is to have 10 churches connected in Hong Kong in different languages ministering to everybody. We wanted to be a church that reaches out and trains up future leaders in Hong Kong and beyond on the campuses and in the school places and in the marketplaces. We have big aspirations for marketplace ministry. We're hoping that God would allow us to open up doors, and we're talking about starting a training center in the community center. So I don't know how we're going to do all this, because we're going to have a Filipino church there, we're going to have a Mandarin-speaking church there, we're going to have an English-speaking church there, and we have a training center there. So we might need another training center. But the goal is to have this training center where we train up future leaders and worship leaders and visual arts guys and pastors and all these things. And so we're just continuing taking steps of faith to move in that direction and trusting the Lord for what that looks like. We wanted to be a church that cultivates a culture of health, spiritual health in individuals and families. We wanted to be a church where people who are not healthy can come and be healed and be made healthy. 
Right now, there's several people who are getting together and they're praying and talking about what would it look like for us to start the first watermark Christian lay and professional counseling center. And so they're gathering right now and trying to figure out what that would look like. How could we set up this, this, this bastion of, of wholeness and healthiness where people from all over this area could come and, and, and be healed and understand the gospel, understand their, their identity in Christ and, 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 and to, to be healed? If you want to be a part of that, please contact us because we're looking for people who have that on their heart to be counselors and who've been trained because we have about five already and we're, we're needing more guys. Girls, we got covered. They're right on it. <laughs> Something about the guys. We just have a hard time <laughs> getting our act together, I think. I don't know. We want to be a church that calls people to something bigger than themselves. I mean, I realize even as I share this, I hope you don't hear that we are saying that we're a perfect church. We're not a perfect church. I mean, I'm your pastor, so you know right away we're not a perfect church because <laughs> I am not a perfect pastor. As I said before, I feel like I'm probably the most broken person in here, but we want to be on this journey, on this mission, and so we're taking steps of faith to move in that direction. And the question is, is this the type of church that you believe God wants you to be a part of? I mean, is this what God has called you to be here? Because if he has, we want you to join us because we we need you. We need you to be a part of what the family of God is doing. Now, this isn't your vision. If the vision that we've been sharing all here isn't what God wants you to do, that's great. Go Go, go to another church and bless that church with your presence. I mean, uh, two, weeks ago, two months ago, a guy came up to me and said, he is his first time here, and he said, I really love your church. I think it's great. I want to become a member, but I have some stipulations. I go, okay, what are stipulations? He goes, well, I don't want to serve. I don't want to tithe. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to be any kind of role, and, and, and I only want to come when it's convenient for me. And I looked at him. I said, I think you got the wrong location. The, the cemetery is over there. You need to go to cemetery because if, if you want to come to this church, we've said from the very beginning that everyone's committed to serve. We've said from the very beginning, everyone's committed to tithe and give. We said that from the very beginning, everyone's committed to be a part of the family and be in community. And so if this is what you want to be and this is what God is calling you to do, this is, we, we want you here. Because this is where God's leading us and we need you to be with us. We don't want to have you jump out of the lifeboat as we keep moving along. You know, if this is what God has called you to do, and this is the type of church he's called you to be about, we, we, I need you to do four things. Now, I hardly ever say I need you to do anything because there's something within me as a pastor understanding the gospel that we, I realize that if we say you must do something, you, we default to doing that. We become Pharisees or we become religious people. But I, I need you to think about and pray about and do these four things. And they're on the back of your bulletin in, in the points to ponder. The I is invest. I need, we need you to invest in people in your world. We need you to be out in the marketplace and, and, and sharing with people the journey that you're on. We need you to grab people and talk to them. We need you to tell them about Christ in your life. We need them to tell you about the gospel and how it's transformed you. We need you, we need you not to be with a lot of other Christians 10 times a week. We need to be with non-Christians, people who are starting their journey. That's why we're trying to be simple in our scheduling because we want you out there investing in your neighbors and in your families And we want you to share with them the message that God has given you, the hope that you're changing. And we want you to take them into your community group and let them meet the community of Christ there and ask questions. And then we want you to bring them to church. But we need you, if you're going to be part of what God is doing in the church, to invest into people's lives because that's why we're here, for the glory of God and for those not in church today. Today. 
We need you to volunteer. The V, we need you to serve. I mean, it's been amazing to me on this journey to see how people in our church have served. So many people have church served. I had a guy here who's a, pa- a pastor and a, a leader of a Bible college, and I told him the percentage of people who are serving in our church, and he said, wow, you have a very healthy church. You have a very healthy church. And I'm like, praise the Lord, because it's nothing that I did. But you see and you understand as you're on this journey and this mission that this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to serve and give and volunteer. And so we need you to volunteer and do amazing things because just because we're doing good now doesn't mean we'll do good a year from now. And we believe with all of our heart that if you're not volunteering, you're not being the person that God has called you to be. We believe with all of our heart, with all of my heart, we believe that if you're not volunteering, you're not becoming the person that God wants you to be. Because only in volunteering and serving other people do you turn your arrows from inward to outward. And in our first gathering as a church thing, we said, we want to be a church that always has our arrows outward. Focused outwardly, not inwardly. And if you don't volunteer, your arrows are focused inwardly. And we want you to focus outwardly. We want you to focus on the people around you. So we need you to invest. We need you to volunteer. We need you to give. We need you to give. You know, we need you to give your money. Um, And I hope you hear my heart here because it's not your money. It's the money that God has entrusted to all of us. Um, We don't need your money, really. God has a cattle on a thousand hills. God can do everything that he needs done. But he wants you to join him on this journey in worship with your money. Do you know that's what you do when you tithe? You're worshiping God. In fact, God says in some ways that worship is even greater than up here singing praises to him because for most of that, that money is an incredibly strong pull and idol in our life. And we need you to give for what God is calling us to do as a church because it's going to take a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of money to plant churches. It's going to take a lot of money to reach Hong Kong youth students. It's going to take a lot of money to change and support communities. It's going to take a lot of money to change cultures. It's going to take a lot of money to reach people in the marketplace. Um, it's just going to take a ton of money, and we need you to go on a journey with God and ask him, well, what do you want me to do with these resources you've given me? And am I, am I tithing enough? I mean, that's a question I don't ask myself often. Am I really giving what I should be giving? But we need you to think about that um, because that's what it's going to take. The minute you walk in and you see a number on the bulletin or you see something and we look really cool and everything's going good and you go, uh, they don't need my money. I'm not going to give it. I'm going to give it someplace else. Well, you're, you're probably right. But what you've done is you've missed the heart of the mission of this church. You've missed the heart of why God has called us here. You've missed the understanding that we're called to plant churches and reach lost people and change communities and go into nursing homes and fix nursing homes. We've talked to the local government and we said, we want five things that you guys cannot do. Five things, either by finances or manpower. Give us your five top 10 list, five top 10 list, five top five list. And we as a church, we want to be about fixing those things. But to do those things, we, we need you to give and worship the Lord And finally, we need you to pray. We need you to pray that God would be glorified in the journey that we're on as a church because in some ways, as we said before, we're still learning and we're taking baby steps and we're making mistakes. And some of the things we've never seen done in this culture before. I mean, some of the things we just don't, we look for models and role models and we're like, well, we don't know who's done that before. What does it look like? I don't know. The only thing I've said is, well, after we do it, make sure we write it down so we can show somebody else in the future. 
But we, we need you praying, guys. We need you praying for the leaders. We need you praying for the church. We need you praying for the future elders. We need you praying for the staff. We need you praying for the volunteers. We need you praying for the vision. We need you praying for what God has on your heart. Because I realize that even as we share these things, there's things in your heart, and you're like, well, they didn't share my passion. They didn't share what God has brought me here for. And we need you to pray about that, and we need you to come and share with the staff what is your passion. Because you're part of the body. And you need to be doing those things. You need to be helping those things. We want to help you, and we want to be a part of those things. And chances are, if you have a passion right now, there's probably 10 other people in this church right now who have that same passion, but they're afraid to say anything. But we need you to share what God's putting on your heart, and we need to pray about that as you think about that. We need to pray for the elders. I've said that. We need to pray for me. Please pray for me. But most of all, pray for Christina, my wife. I drive her crazy, and we need you to pray for her. We need to pray for her all the time, and my hope is that you're praying for all the elders and all the staff and all the leaders all the time, that we'd walk with the Lord, that we'd be humble, we'd have compassion, and we'd be gentle. Those are the three things I ask you to pray for me all the time. Humility, compassion, gentleness. We need to do that. We cannot forget what it was like before we knew Christ. And the minute we do that, we become arrogant, and we put the arrows inward. Pray for the leaders. Pray for your community groups. Pray for everybody. We need to pray for that. We need to pray that God's power would fall mightily in his church. We've been talking about prayer a long time. We keep talking about it. We keep praying. Pray that God's spirit would fall upon us and just knock us off our socks with how good and merciful he is. In response, we just worship him. Pray for the little seeds that are planted in the communities and people's lives. Pray that God would do amazing things. Pray that Jesus Christ would be glorified. Pray that Hong Kong would become a great city. Pray that people's lives would be changed. Pray that eternity would be different. Pray, pray, pray. Invest, volunteer, give, and pray. If you want to come on this journey with us, that's what we need you to do. Because it's going to be integral to whether we do what God's called us to do. Why did we start this church? For the glory of God and for those not in church right now. Can you repeat that with me? For the glory of God and for those not in church right now. For the glory of God and for those not in church right now. For the churched, for the unchurched, for the dechurched. That's why God has watermark here. And that's what we're going to trust him for as we keep moving on. Let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness in our life. We thank you that you just overwhelm us with your love and your mercy and your grace. And we are just humbled by your goodness in our life. Father, as you think about the lifeboats and the lifeboat that pulled up beside us and our friend or our parents or our grandparents, shared with us about Jesus. And then we were pulled into that lifeboat to go on a journey. We pray, Lord, that we would be lifeboats even as we leave here. That we would send us out into our workplace and into our community and into our schools and wherever you have us, living and working and glorifying you. And that we'd be beacons of hope that people would see your son Jesus in us and they'd fall in love with him. Father, thank you for reminding us often that we're not perfect, that our salvation is not because of us, but it's because of you, 
that you are the one who leads us in the dance. And we come to you and we worship you. So I bring my brothers and sisters here today and we pray, Lord, that you would be honored. Thank you for the vision you give us. Pray that we would continue to follow and be obedient to that. And we love you and we need you. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we started the church, we had no elders. In fact, the two elders that we were hoping to have elders, they got transferred to London. It's the, it's the curse of, it's the curse of uh, living in an area like Hong Kong. And so we had a transition oversight board. And this transition oversight board, I'm going to ask them to come up now, is made up of like eight people. And I'm going to ask Harry and Julie Turner to come up too, because they're just visiting here. Yes, you have to come up. Uh, come on up. And they were first, some of the first people on a transition oversight board. And in this last year and a half, God has brought people into our life. And there are a lot of you out there who aren't up here that we want you to be up here one of these days. And this transition oversight board is going to transition off right now. And we have two elders that we're bringing on. Four weeks ago, we put out this elder booklet that you can see them, you hear them, you've heard them up preach here, you've heard them up on front. And so we would like to bring them on as the first elders of Watermark Church. And so I'm going to ask Franklin to come up, and I'm going to ask Charles to come up, and I'm going to ask your wives to come up, even though they might not want to come up. And I'm going to ask Christina to come up. Are you guys excited? I, mean, I think it's amazing, guys. I'm like... God is amazing. Okay, so we have uh, Franklin and Therese, and Therese is hating being up here. Um, uh, how are you doing? Therese had eye surgery on Friday, and so God, I mean, she, she was able to get in because of the auspicious day of Friday the 13th, and uh, no one wanted surgery then, and we just said, hey, go for it. Uh, we said, maybe they'll give you a discount. Did they give you a discount? No discount. So she had cataracts taken out of one of her eyes, and so it's, am it's amazing that she's here. And Franklin and Jasmine and Charles just got back from visiting in the States uh, Wednesday, right? So we gathered at our house. And, and so we talk about being elders, and in the booklet in First Peter 5, uh, 1 and on, it says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, in a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud. But he gives grace to humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. So these guys and their wives, because as elders, your wives are always a part of that, we've been praying for them for a year and a half, We've been examining them. We've watched them serve in the church. They're community group leaders. You've heard them preach up front. You've seen them. None of these guys should be any unknown to you. You know them. They're part of your family. They're rowing a lifeboat with you. And so this time, we are going to pray for them and commission them. I want the Transition Oversight Board to come up. So Chris, will you guys come on up? So everybody, Kelvin, uh, Ian, Aaron, everybody who's on Transition Oversight Board, Harry, Julie, come on. 
and we're going to pray for them, and I'm going to lead them in a prayer. And these, 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 this, these two men are your, so the three of us will be elders within the church, which is a great thing that you don't have just one person doing it, and they'll be over it. As a transition oversight board transitions off, some of them will go into the process of becoming future elders. Some of them will become in the process of being future leaders in other parts of the church. Uh, so they're not, they're not disappearing. They're, they're going to be part of this core leadership. Uh, but at this time, we feel like God has brought Charles and Franklin to us. And so I'm going to do, I want Charles and Franklin, if you guys just stand right here. And everybody else, I just want you to put your hands around them or touch them. <clears throat> and let me just pray for us as a church. Father, I just thank you for this day, and you say that it is a worthy thing for a man to put his name forward to become an elder. And even as these men did not, but we, we saw them, we saw them serving, we saw them doing the work of elders in, in your church here. And your spirit brought us to them and brought us to this examination time. And we thank you, Lord, that we know even as we commission all three of us, <laughs> it's not because we're perfect and it's not because we're more holier than others, but that we've come before you and these men have come to walk with you and to be servants, servants first in the church. And so we commission them now in the name of your Lord and our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pray that your power would fall upon them. Pray that as a community that we would pray for them and watch out after them and take care of them and keep them accountable and come alongside of them and encourage them. And we just thank you for what you've done in their hearts to bring them to this point. And we pray for their families that you'd guard over them and we just, we love you, Lord. And so we worship your goodness in giving these leaders to us. And we just praise your holy name. And we thank you for these men. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. And uh, we have a, can you have the little bulletin? The little, okay, Sylvie. And so we have a presentation plaque here. And, okay, and I'm just going to read one of them here so you guys can, uh, so there's one for Charles and one for Franklin. If you would hold that, I can't. It says, Elder Certificate, this is to certify that Franklin Sung, has, having passed all the biblical requirements and qualifying distinctives of Watermark Community Church for the office of church elder, your desire to serve, your faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice have and will result in countless people being influenced for our Savior. We love you. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, guys. Okay. Part of the, yeah, can you can clap, that's amazing. Uh, if you know me, you know I need a lot of help. And one of the things we prayed about a lot was help on this journey. And God continues to bring people. We have three tracks in our church. We have staff, we have church planners, and we have volunteers and interns and people who come and consult. And we've had six of them come in in the last three days. And so I'm going to embarrass them and bring them up here. But Weehan, Pastor Chua, you've been here for a week, but I want to bring you up. King Ling, please come up here. Mark and Carrie Tedder, come on up. And Jeremiah and uh, Sydney, where are you? Okay, so some of these are consultants and some of these you've seen before. They've all come to be a part of the journey that we're doing here at the church. Uh, Mark and Carrie are going to help us in worship and learn how to equip people. Sydney uh, is from my, I grew up with Sydney's mom, so that makes me feel very old. We were best friends. Uh, and so Sydney is from Eufaula, Alabama, and, and, and also Jeremiah is from a good buddy of mine, his church in Austin, Texas, and they've actually raised support to come serve the church. Now, what a great thing is that, right? It's like free help. So uh, be, be nice to them. 
Pastor Chua and, and King Ling are here to help us develop leadership. And as you think about planning and church planners and developing them, they're here. And he's helped, he's helped me a ton just in prayer and in just being a good friend. And Mark and Carrie, I've known, they tried to steal Christina and I away to Beijing's church to be their first pastors. And we tried to steal them back here. Uh, and so they have an incredible ministry of worship leaders. And, and you'll see them up here and teach us and instructing us in that sense. And so all of these people God has brought for this time. And so I just want you to get to know them, get a chance to meet them. We're going to run out the door to eat. You can't go that way. You got to go that way. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, we have a couple things in the bulletin. Check them out. The marriage course starts on Tuesday. We actually added spaces because we've had a lot of people want to come. So Christy and I are leading a, a love and respect course. Please, uh, there's a couple more spaces if you want to. Please sign up for that. And uh, I think that's it. Let me pray for us. And uh, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Uh, if you have questions about anything, staff will be spread out all over the tables, and just feel free to be nice, but ask them a question about their ministry or what you saw in the booklet. Uh, Sylvie and Josh did an incredible job uh, putting that booklet together, so thank them. I thought it was amazing. Uh, I was just like, okay, it's the first time. It's the first time. You don't want to hit a home run the first time, and I just think they did an amazing job, so thanks so much, guys. And uh, so let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you for this day. Uh, just the song we just sang, uh, break our heart for what breaks yours. Everything I have, I give to you. May we be a church that risks everything to save a few. Because we know in eternity, that is what you're looking at. And so we trust you to use us, to equip us, to break our hearts, to keep us sensitive and gentle and compassionate and to walk humbly before you. Father, we thank you for this amazing journey you've had us on for one and a half years, and we just we look forward to seeing what you do in the future. And we love you, and we need you. And we pray for this food and this fellowship time that you would be honored by all of this. Help us to meet some good friends and meet other people in the lifeboat with us. We love you. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Have some great food, and we'll see you here next Sunday.